Welcome back, everybody. This is Tag Team, the Pokemon Trading Card Game's premier podcasting duo. I'm J.W. Crewall, and normally I would say I'm joined by my good friend Riley Holbert, but today we have a special guest. Riley is away with work. Can't be with us tonight, but we have atrocious Jake. Jake here in the studio with us tonight. Jake, introduce yourself. Hi, my name is Atrocious Gameplay, or Jake, uh, for anyone who may know me. I was going to try to pass off as Riley for the show, yeah. but, you know, with the hat, the tattoos, the different camera angle, like, I, I've, I figured it probably wasn't going to end up working, so I'm glad I, you introduced I, me as Jake. I think that the the lighting, like, I think if you squint, you could get away with Riley. You know, just just allow me to shave, maybe grow my hair a little bit, and it's easy. Easy. <laughs> There you go. There you go. So uh, Jake is with us here tonight. Thank you so much for joining me on the cast. I guess it's not he's with us. So maybe it doesn't make a lot of sense because it's just me. But this is great to have you. Um, somebody that has what you've been streaming now for how long? How long would you say you've been a part of the community, the Pokemon community? And then how long would you say you've been streaming? Because it's been like, what, a year and a half now, at least? Um. I started creating Pokemon content two years ago, Pokemon trading card game content two years ago when I um, graduated with my undergrad degree okay. in college because I, fun, funny story, I, I had just stopped dating a girl who said that video games were unimportant, you know, I, I had been getting into <laughs> Twitch and she was like, you can't make money that way, you can't make a living that way, and so uh -huh. I was like, you know what, I'm going to play video games on on the internet and have fun with people and and here we are today i'm not necessarily making too much trading card game content now but i'm still playing the game still following the game and just having fun with a with a bunch of people now yeah it certainly seems like it you're definitely in that kind of morning time slot which is when i catch you on uh online it seems like you got a really good community brewing um it, i don't know if a you lot can of people that are community working. but uh, yeah for sure for sure absolutely and it seems like they all really enjoy that kind of regularity to their mornings. What what made you choose that kind of morning time slot? Because I understand right now that you're pretty much a free agent in terms of job hunting. So what what kind of draws you to the early morning crowd? I'm just curious if there's, you know, because you could stream if, if you're not doing anything else, you know, you could stream later in the day, you could stream in the evenings, but the mornings, you know, waking up early and, and doing all that. What's your what's the motivation there? So like the, I actually started streaming at night back like when I had first graduated, you know, with my undergraduate degree. Yeah. Um, I started streaming more at night because like, you know, that's just typically, you know, during the like 1 p.m. to to like 8, 9 p.m., you know, Eastern time. That's usually when a lot of people are on uh, Twitch. So like that's kind of one of the more beneficial times. Mm -hmm. And so I was streaming during that time. But then once I got started getting my master's degree, you know, in that mm -hmm. fall and started working, you know, my boss wanted me to go to the office and stuff. And I, I was working in sports. I was a sports information personnel. So the guy who does the live stats, writes the recaps, takes pictures, you know, I was doing all that. And sports usually happen at night. So in the mornings, you know, first thing when you wake up, you know, that's that's yep. when I would be able to create content on Twitch and do all that stuff and and really just drink my cup of joe with people. There you go. That sounds great, man. That sounds great. Uh, now, I want to talk a little bit atrocious gameplay about how you came up with that name, because and, and I'm curious if you would 
if you were to go back two years, would you choose the same name and why? So I came up with the name Atrocious Gameplay because, like, I I mean, I've worked in professional esports before. I was I was a writer for the Overwatch League, one of the teams, the Shanghai Dragons. But, like, okay. I've always been bad at video games. Like, okay. especially your point-and-click games. Or not yeah. point-and-click, but, like, your Call of Duties or whatever. Like, sure, I'm just like so small, bad. Small muscle... Yeah, all, all yeah, that, all that kind of, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm so bad at it. So it's just like if you can't. Here's my thing: if you can't make fun of yourself, you can't laugh at yourself. Nobody else is gonna laugh with you. Mm-hmm. So like most people are also not professionals at video games. So like the name is easily relatable. It's a good like intro question for a viewer. You know, they're like, "Why Ooh. is your name atrocious gameplay?" You know, sure. if they don't know how to start up the conversation, sure. or when you do like a raid. Somebody, whenever you do a raid, someone's like, oh, you, your exact name is my gameplay. And that's like an easy connection that you can make sure, uh, with someone sure. with that joke right there. But I've, I've had it in my mind. I'm like, you know, if I ever like go actually pro in something, whether that's the trading card game or, you know, VGC or whatever I'm doing, like I'm going to have to rebrand, right? Like, well, I'm that's the thing like, is like, gameplay. yeah, right. What if, what if you actually did get good? Yeah. Like you know, what would happen? Would, even if I become moderate, like let's say I, let's say yeah, a top one twenty eight average regional. gameplay, right? Yeah, uh, like <laughs> I got to be honest with people. I can't false advertise. That's right. Yeah, no, that's uh, that provides some very um, curious decisions that you have coming up in the future. I'm sure. Um, well, so I'm, I'm just honest, gonna. I, I didn't I'm, expect to be streaming this long, but anyways, yeah. Uh, yeah well, hard. that's no fair enough. I mean, I'm just gonna say I hope that for the rebrand sake. You don't get too good because, I mean, that can be a headache, right? Oh, yeah. Having to change your name, having to change your, you know, kind of identity, right? In a sense. Mm -hmm. So um, you've been streaming on Twitch for, you know, a couple of years now. uh, And and you're gaining, you know, a following here. Um, There's certainly, again, this community that you're developing in the morning streams that I see. Um, What are kind of some other things besides streaming that you are involved in. I know we were talking a little bit before the cast, but just for the listeners, what are some things that you're doing outside of uh, outside of your stream life? So I actually video edit for content creators. So I, mm-hmm. whether it's a YouTuber, like a full-time YouTuber or Twitch streamer, I help them create content on other platforms, you know? Like uh, for instance, PKMNCast is someone who I edit for. He's a full-time Pokemon streamer podcaster he's been doing a pokemon related podcast for like 10 years now crazy Um, stuff i i help his uh i help his youtube channel so cutting up twitch highlights or we make unique videos and edit it together Mm -hmm. it's basically like i do the nitty-gritty because you know yourself like editing is not the most fun or it's not always the most fun thing in the world Mm. so like having someone else do it especially when you're like someone like steve that is in a lot of different places, you know, doing the podcast, they've got their own Patreon, they've got, you know, Instagram, TikTok, all that stuff, you know, doing a YouTube channel could be very spread yourself thin. So mm-hmm. that's basically my role. And a lot of what I do, especially right now that I don't have a sports job. Yeah, yeah. And you just graduated, like you said, with that master's degree. And uh, remind me what the is it like sports communications? Or what's the it's a master's degree, master's of science in sports management. Sports management. So, okay. So I don't know. I don't know why they attach science in there in sport management. Cause like, 
my degree is basically, you know, if you're running a high school basketball game or tournament, you know, you know, you got to stock up the the toilet the the bathrooms with toilet paper. You gotta you gotta put popcorn <laughs> kennels in the in the popcorn maker. Like that's I don't know what it has to do with science, but you know what I'm I, it sounds impressive. I, yeah, I guess. I mean, m- maybe. Yeah, you just gotta think that. I, well, I just hope somebody didn't think too highly of themselves when they, you know, were a professor in that degree. They're like, oh, this needs to be elevated to the level. I mean, not that it's not important, but you see my point is like, eh, the sciences maybe deal with something a little different than what we're talking I mean, about here. I've, I've been through the bachelor's program. I've been through the graduate <laughs> program. You know, I don't know what science there was because I had to take high school chemistry to be able to get uh-huh. my degree. That's uh-huh. it. I mean, so I don't I don't really know, but yeah. I'm not going to question it too hard. Uh, that's right. That's right. No, that's good. That's good. So, um, with these other content creators, you're, you know, editing videos, you're doing your own thing. Um, are, what kind of concepts are you bringing over from these other content creators? Like I, we were talking before the cast, you know, you're, you're working with, uh, Noel pink vapor, vapor gaming. Uh, you're working with PKMN cast. Um, both, you know, one is maybe an established kind of big name in their, in their sphere. And then one is kind of a newcomer. Right. Noel riding the back of uh, of TikTok, I would say. Right. Um, and you maybe have some kind of other um, opinion on that or view on that. But from what I've seen, you know, just getting really big on TikTok and kind of porting that over into their Twitch content. Um, what are some things that you've learned from either these creators or, or maybe even other creators, but certainly the ones that you've kind of worked directly with? Like, do you take anything away from what they're doing and incorporate it into your stuff? So I think, you know, if you're, if you're a content creator, if you just try to do what you're doing and you're not watching other people, you're going to fail. I don't think anybody succeeds by just doing it by themselves, except if you're like the first person to do something right. Um, So I always, you know, I'm always studying Twitch. I, I haven't been watching them for a while because they're not really live anymore but like devin nash is a big name um on Mm -hmm. like twitch and youtube and stuff they are considered like the industry person for you know twitch youtube social media things like that they are Mm -hmm. the industry people yeah um that covers that stuff and gives and they have plenty of people to talk like they had you um the guy who made uh prime gaming who works at Amazon, like they've had those people on, they do different talks at different universities about like content creating in the, the mm. industry of it. Um, and even though it has nothing to do with Pokemon, nothing to do with probably anything that might, you know, uh, work and stuff like that. It, it's, it's helpful to me because it helps me grow in all of those aspects, working yeah. in content creation and then like doing my own content. Yeah. And one good example that you can bring from uh, from PKMNCast or Pink Vapor Gaming or Purple Cliff, a lot of people know may know who that name is. You know, Jack, old time Pokemon player, now mm-hmm. does like Nuzlocks and stuff. All those people jumped up and got huge because they brought people in from another platform. Like, yeah. one of the biggest mistakes that a lot of Twitch streamers make when they first casually start streaming, like I did, is they just want to do Twitch. Sure. You know, Twitch is not a discovery platform. You know, sure. there's a reason why they put all the people with like zero to one viewers at the bottom. It's because sure. like when they bring someone in, when someone goes on Twitch for the first time, they want to go to a community. Aspect, 
they want to go to something that's kind of already established, somebody that, you know, is yeah. presumably knows enough about what they're doing to have a following. Yeah, like if if you bring someone in, you know, what's safer for Twitch? Giving someone to Tim the Tatman, who is an established streamer, one of the biggest ones, mm -hmm. 45,000 people knows what yep. he's doing. Or is it Joe Schmo that just started streaming the other day? Nobody knows anything about him. He's probably doing something that breaks TOS, <laughs> right? And what's the better experience to keep someone on that platform? So like yeah. constantly studying other people, yeah, you know, and what they're doing, you know, not only watching the big people, but also the small people, you know, those, yeah. the, I've got a bunch of five-year people that I watch, um, but the, some mm. of them do something really well. But you yeah, always got to bring people in. It's very interesting that, you know, you're bringing up Purple Cliff, Pink Vapor and and their success on, you know, TikTok, other platforms and bringing it over. Um, it, because it seems to me like some of the most successful, well, at least some of the most recently successful Pokemon trading card game players have been solely on Twitch. And I think of two recent partners um, in uh, in Pumpkin Amy and Sinichi, Pedro. Uh, and those are two players that I, I don't believe, and I could be wrong probably about Amy. I don't know much about her kind of external, you know, Twitch um, uh, offerings, right? But that don't, to me, I, you know, have like bigger followings off of Twitch. I, I'm just curious if, if like what that disconnect is i guess between the pokemon tcg community and maybe other communities that you are seeing people you know growing and getting partnered that are doing twitch just as a ptcgo platform just twitch there um versus some of these other things well i think twitch is a i think twitch is in terms of the pokemon trading card game is a good place for people to be to enjoy content mm -hmm. and the reason for that is because you can directly ask someone like azul gg mm -hmm. a question you know azul is very very good at reading chat yep. he is he answers most questions that aren't stupid you know like he answers most questions that come in in chat and so like having that interaction is real good mm -hmm. um but a lot of what you see so like pedro and um amy they don't do necessarily a lot of things outside amy does like tiktok and stuff i mean she hasn't jumped up to a million like jack has or noel yeah, yeah um but she still like does good stuff and and pedro being like a professional player yeah you know that really really helps you know jw you you have excellent accolades you know after you won your last regional you know i had noticed that you had a, a spike in viewership sure you know like right after you won that regional and that stuff like that impacts you know like, because there's two reasons that people follow a Twitch streamer, in my opinion. They want to yeah. learn something or they like the community that they're in. Sure. You know, and and especially for Amy, she does a little bit of both because she adheres a lot to the uh, the more casual players, sort mm -hmm. of like Andrew mm -hmm. Mahone does. I think right. Andrew at Tricky Gym is very good at adhering to a casual community sure. of players, like teaching the basics and things like that. And mm -hmm. Amy... Amy took that by the horns and she's a she's a wonderful human being, just like a lot of other creators that we got and and they've they've excelled. Pedro's one of the more charismatic people that I've ever met. And I think he I think he's a gemstone before people really started to watch his streams consistently. Yeah. You know, I think the I think the morning switch, because he used to do like used to do like after I would stream in the mornings, that's usually when he would be on. Sure. Um, yeah. But then recently in the last couple months he switched like to a more earlier session yeah, in the mornings yeah. um for a lot of his like non-tournament streams and mm -hmm. and he's he, he's jumped up 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I, like you said, they're both just great people. You know, if you don't know about these two streamers, which which you should by now, um, just fantastic uh, human beings. So I like wish them even more success than they've already had, which I'm sure is coming uh, in their future. But let's talk about um, something that seems to be a trend and that is kind of a trend with you, I think even you would say, where you're switching away from the trading card game. Um, we've seen this maybe most notably with uh, Purple Cliff, whom we've already mentioned, who was a Pokemon TCG player for a long time, reinvented themselves as a Nuzlocker and has seen incredible success. We have Noelle, who did primarily Pokemon trading card game, moved away from that pretty much entirely uh, as far as I've seen over the last few months uh, and is now doing like anime stuff or, or indie games or, or kind of, you know, just different games in general. Um, and then we've also seen, you know, someone like Sierra Dawn, who was a Pokemon TCG player almost exclusively about a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago, switched away from that entirely to do um, video game. And there are a few others that that maybe you could speak to, but what do you think about this shift? Uh, I guess you have your own experience in there included. So like, why do you think these players make this shift away from the trading card game into these other games and then become much bigger? So I think there's a couple different factors with that. So um, the first one I think is kind of the most obvious and the, the format has, is not the same <laughs> as what it used to be. Right. Yeah. I think you say like, since the tag, we've heard this all the time, like the tag team errors come in and, and Pokemon's just been different. Yeah. Right. I didn't necessarily play before the tag team era, but I've watched a lot of videos and played in some retro tournaments and heard of a lot of people talk like the it's Pokemon's just different now. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And so that's that's one of the reasons that people, like even myself, you know, I, after like uh, Rebel Clash hit, <laughs> man, it was, it was hard to play the game every day, you know, especially for five hours on stream. It mm -hmm. was hard to enjoy that time and not get frustrated hitting ADP every other time sure. on the ladder, sure. right? And, and not saying that I don't enjoy the game anymore, but now is just a time where myself and like Noel and Jack, like, explore different identities that we had you know yeah. not just the pokemon trading card game but for noel jumping into like danganronpa and doing anime stuff you know yeah. and because she loved that stuff before so like why not jump into that identity as well and like just just piddle with it piddle paddle with it and then yeah. jack jack is the most entertaining content creator that i've <laughs> ever seen you know he sure sure he he could make the Pokemon trading card game like exciting. Well, Not he, saying that I mean, he, he did though. I, I, but that's what kind of a little bit of my point though is like a lot of what he he did, like he didn't change a ton, you know, he just did it in a different context uh, because he was still doing these kind of over the top um, <laughs> game. Like he was, he was funny, you know, three years ago. Right. And yeah. he was kind of the only person doing that in the TCG. Uh, but it almost felt like what was holding him back was the trading card game, you and, know? And now that he finds this different audience, he can flourish with what he's doing. Like, it's almost, it's kind of a funny line. Like, it's it's weird that there's not, you know, this kind of support for what he was doing when he was doing it in the trading card game. And like the final, the final kind of point of like, that I'll bring of like people jumping off that I've noticed is like, the Pokemon trading card game is just a super low ceiling. 
mm-hmm. in terms of like viewership and things like that. So like right now, if you look on Twitch at the Pokemon trading card game online, right? Because that's where all the players go is the online one. Yeah, it has eight hundred and or I'm sorry, six hundred and eighty nine viewers. Yeah, not a lot of people. Not a lot of people watching. You know, most people that like the card game, yeah. similar to what like just Pokemon cards are right now. Most people just like opening. Sure. You know, three over three thousand people watching the trading card game in the opening. You know, and yeah. you look at Sword and Shield, four thousand two hundred people. And I can't imagine you know the different anime categories. I don't know those off the top of my head without like just googling them right now. But like. Anime is super popular, you know, not only in English, but in like Japan as well. Mm-hmm. So like you connect to a much broader, like the, how do I put this? The content creating in the Pokemon training card game is very adhered to who's on at the mm-hmm. time, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I streamed in the mornings. I streamed before Tricky Gym streamed. So I could get like, I could get like 70 people watching in the morning. You know, like just watching, watching, watching. But then I knew exactly when Andrew would go live. <laughs> yeah. And then totally. as soon as Andrew would go live, I'd drop down to like 20 people. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. No, no harm to Andrew. You know, I love his content. He does yeah. great. Yeah. Love it. It's just people watch who they want to watch. And, you know, when your favorite streamer comes on or whatever, yeah. everybody goes to that. So, like, if, and the same goes for out afterwards too. You know, in the morning, nobody's going to raid me, right? Because sure. nobody's awake. Sure. You know, but instead, I raid into Tricky Jim or I raid into Pedro or I raid into Azul. Yeah. You know, but if you go afterwards, you know, kind of like that late afternoon, early night section, you could get a raid from Tricky Jim. You could get a raid from you. You know, yeah, you could get right. a raid. You could get mm-hmm. a raid of these bigger creators. You know, Gazer Beam is an excellent example. So Gazer Beam, super charismatic guy, great dude, absolutely love him. You know, I was watch I would watch him a lot late at night and he he has like, you know, 15 people watching. He's great, he's awesome, yeah. he's charismatic, he's really good. He's got a really good community that he's built. And then one day he gets raided by Jack. Gets raided mm. by Purple Cliff. He's got like 700 people in and he's a charismatic guy so people stay. And right. so he's got this high viewership, and then he's at the top of the category. So now the Pokemon trading card game people that are coming in, they want to want someone to watch. They they start clicking on him because he's the first one that pops up. People don't scroll right. down the category. People just look at the first three or four people sure. at the top. Sure. And so then those people started to stay. Now he's averaging, I think lately I've seen him at like 45 to 50 people average, you know, after that after that raid, you know, months yeah. later. And it's, yeah. it's, it's that thing too, you know, in the, in the trading card game, I feel like you either have to like win a regional or you have to get a big raid. <laughs> sure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's, that's, that's tough and yeah. it's, uh, it's hard to sick, but. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's very interesting um, too, though. Like recently I've been thinking a lot about numbers and like how having, you know, and, and I'm sure you think about this too, but it's like, Sometimes, and in a lot of cases, the viewership number um, or the outward facing number is not necessarily indicative of, you know, maybe how how much success you're having or or how much, you know, I mean, money you're making, if we want to put it into like that kind of terminology. Um, mm-hmm. Having a deep community is oftentimes a lot 
more important than having a wide community. And I'm wondering if you, you know, have experienced that as well in your journey. Yeah. So I'm not going to pull up specific numbers, but like I am someone that averages 30 people, yeah. right? I, I'm, I'm someone that in the month of June, I've averaged 30 people here on Twitch. I, for the last six months, I've every single month I've had over 200 subscribers. Yeah. Right. And, and I don't, what a two my own home but like that's a pretty good number for someone that doesn't have like 2500 followers yeah and it's because of like that knit knit community thing you know when i'm shiny hunting on twitch i have i'm very easily able to just put the game on the screen and instead watch twitch chat and talk to twitch chat oh yeah, sally yeah. you know how's your how's your family doing jerry you had surgery last week like how are you feeling man or like yeah you know, Timmy, you just got interviewed the other day. Have you heard back, you know, from your job? And it's, I like interacting with people. I'm a, yeah. I'm a social guy. So yeah. like the trading card game, you could be like really interactive and stuff, but like, you know, when you're in a tournament, like you're, you're trying to focus on winning and stuff. So like, I, I think that community building is huge. I think sure. that, you know, your community drives your content per se, you know, mm -hmm. when I, when I have a big moment, you know, on Twitch, I know that people are going to, people are going to retweet it. You know, people oh, are totally. going to like the pictures. I've got like 15 people that I can call off the top of my head that like a lot of my tweets. Sure. Regardless of what it is. Sure. You know, that live tweet every day. This is something that I think a lot of people should do is when you make a live tweet, you know, saying, hey, I'm live, I'm doing this X, Y, Z, have a tab open of Twitter and then whenever one of your community people like it, even if they're there, if you know they're there or you don't know they're there, yeah. you know, say thank you. Be like, hey, Jerry, thanks for liking my live tweet today. Yeah, like, there you hey, go. Hey, Sally, thanks for retweeting me today or leaving a nice comment. Yeah. You know, it, it, sure. it's, it's one of those small gestures that not a lot of people think about, even yeah. though it seems really obvious that that like goes a really long way. Yeah, I agree. Being personal, right? Because that's what that's what people want. They go into a Twitch stream and they want to feel like a you care that they're there and b that you are willing to interact uh, with them, right? And yeah, so, like, obviously, you have to establish boundaries, right? Like, I'm not giving people my address, you know, where I live, yeah. but like, yeah. you want them to feel like at home, right? Yes. Like in a Discord server, you know, yes. when somebody posts that they pull a alternate art shadow Calyrex V Max, you're like, pog, dude. Like, yeah, like exactly. You just exactly. You share in that joy. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And speaking of interacting with the audience, we got a few questions on the Twitch stream. So I got one here. Tentype says, just wondering what your thoughts are on TikTok, but I and all the people I know think it's pretty cringe. What, what are some responses to that, Jake? So TikTok is, I, I also think TikTok is kind of cringe. Uh -huh. um, TikTok is very trendy. It's uh -huh. very... It's it's very oriented towards trends, you know. Um, but TikTok is is powerful. Mm -hmm. So Jack Purplecliff, for anyone who doesn't know, he would go from like when he was playing the trading card game before he took his hiatus, you know, to better his mental health and and then jump back on, you know, with Nuzlocks. He was getting like 120, like 90 to 120 people per stream. Mm -hmm. Then he blew up on TikTok doing Nuzlocks. And then he now averages like over a thousand people every single stream. It's it's a little bit different because like when you have a thousand people spamming Keck W, 
Like it's very hard <laughs> to interact with chat. Yes. You know, during that time, yes. I, I, I don't think Jack necessarily knows. Like I watch him a lot still and I uh -huh. resub and stuff. I don't think he, I don't think he really sees me and that's sure. totally okay. Cause I, I like get that, but yeah. TikTok is very powerful because it's very short form content and you get a lot of people in. Yeah. And the thing about TikTok as well is even if somebody follows you, you know, and they they enjoy your content the first time, especially when you hit that 1000, you turn on your Twitch live stream, you put your phone pointing at you, you go live on TikTok as well. Mm -hmm. It's not the same screen. It's not the same gameplay. It's just you. Right. Yep. So you're not breaking Twitch TOS and multi-streaming the same yep. thing at one time. Yep. But you just say every like 15 minutes or so, hey, if you're watching this on TikTok, I'm live interacting with people on Twitch because it's super easy and it's super fun. We got a lot of people here. Would love to see you. You know? Absolutely. And just giving those like cues and Twitch is again is all about bringing people from another platform. There are so many people that scroll on Twitch every single night. You know, before I go to bed, yeah, yeah, I scroll yeah. fifteen minutes on my FYP. Bro, I, TikTok is a dangerous thing, man, because it'll suck a, you in and it'll just spit you right back out. And it it's is a super easy place because the algorithm is the algorithm is like YouTube insane, on steroids. Bro. It's insane. You know, it's you, you like one thing about yep. tattoos yep. and all of a sudden you're in your tattoo, tattoo guy. You're a tattoo yeah. guy now. Yep. I, yep. I, I, I'm a tattoo guy. I like anime and somehow I've moved on to anime, tick <laughs> anime tattoo, TikTok. like literally every day I'm scrolling and I'm seeing anime tattoos and I keep sending it to myself and I'm like, Oh God, I got another one on my list that I need well, to get. And, and, and now to further it, you've just said those words out loud anime yeah. and tattoo so that's you know getting picked up surely by some you know some amazon google thing that's listening to you and that's feeding it all in yeah it's a crazy platform man like you said and like these videos that um you're just getting way more views on this platform than any other one and i don't find frankly like i find the longer i've watched the the i feel like and maybe this is the algorithm telling me so but the the content creators that i've seen have gotten older so i started watching tiktok maybe six months ago, like certainly in the pandemic, like I'm a newbie in the mm -hmm. sense of, of, of t what TikTok is um, and how long it's been around. But um, yeah, in like six months, I've definitely seen, you know, when I first started, it was maybe a little more younger creators. Now I'm seeing like dads and moms like making TikTok. So I feel like there is that platform for kind of, you know, older people that really don't view it as, as cringe. They view it as kind of you know, fun, interesting, exciting ways to interact with people that they otherwise wouldn't. Yeah, I mean, I I, I thought the same thing. Like for a, for the longest time, I was like, I'm not gonna get TikTok. Like TikTok is just Vine Junior, right? Yeah. It's not as good as Vine was. And yeah. then you jump on it, and then that algorithm gets you. You know, even if you're even if you're a forty year old parent, you get yeah. into parent TikTok. A lot of that stuff, a lot of those jokes then become relatable about like your kids and <laughs> yeah yeah stuff like that and yeah. it, it's tiktok is dangerous that's what i'm gonna say i, I um, fully agree it's it's great it's a good algorithm that like can really help you grow like youtube or instagram and stuff because there's such an influx of people because when you hit that fyp when you hit that for you page algorithm and people just start liking and liking and liking and liking and liking you know, if you can get them onto another platform, you know, that's awesome. Because people on TikTok, here's the thing, 
is 75% of the time that people are on TikTok, statistically, they're on the For You page. They're never on the mm. following page. Sure. JW, when you scroll on TikTok, do you go on the following page? No, not really. Yeah, yeah if they're going to if if I'm going to find somebody cuz I do follow enough people, right? But mm -hmm. and I follow them cuz I want to. But yeah, I'm I'm usually on the for you page cuz I'm like, "Ah, maybe I'll get a new hit of serotonin." That's, and then that's also the sprinkle in right, and also sprinkle in maybe a few that I already know, you know, some some comfort spots. Especially so. because the for you page also can show people that you're following, right? So right. a lot of times you don't even realize you know, that, that you're on, like the FYP is the only thing that you're thinking about. And right. so right. that's another reason why TikTok is just, it's, it's really good. Yeah. It's really It's good. crazy. It's crazy. So, um, okay. This is, this is kind of gonna, gonna be our, our last talk about the content creation. And then uh, last question I should say, and then we're going to move into, um, some, some card of the day, which you have, and then, um, some PC four and chilling rain stuff. But who is like your favorite, TikToker, and it doesn't have to be, you know, Pokemon related at all. Like, I'm just curious. Like, who do you, if you could only watch one person's TikTok for the rest of your life, who would it be? Oh man, I would. That's a really tough question because there's a lot of people that I usually watch. I would say like a trend, maybe that I would watch. I don't have like a, a specific okay. person, okay, but I would say a trend is the Adult Swim trend. Oh. I thought that the adult swim trend was actually one of the most intriguing things to pop up because yeah. not only was it just crazy free advertising for Cartoon Network and like their adult <laughs> swim program. Yeah, yeah. But like also the creativity with it all. Yeah. There were so many different ways. Like every time I saw an adult swim one, none of them felt the same. Right. It was pretty crazy. I it's. It was, that was probably my favorite trend to ever come up. Yeah, it was a good one. I loved I loved some of those. The, like some of them were a little corny or a little poorly done, but like I'd say the mass vast majority were unique in some way and intriguing, very intriguing. It was relatable because we're at that demographic that probably watched Adult Swim. I, definitely. You know, I like cuz yeah, it was like so much. It, I saw the I saw the, you know, the flashbacks to like, you know, 11:30 at night, you know, you just got done watching like what, The Boondocks mm -hmm. or whatever, and then and then you get an Adult Swim and then it's like Toonami is on it. You know, it's so good, man. It's so good. So, it definitely hits that nostalgia nostalgia bug. Um Great. Well, it sounds like you're doing great things, Jake. I, you know, am excited for you just in the future of content creation, whatever that is. If it's if it's your own, if it's creating for other people, if it's doing a mix of the two, I'm just excited to see where you can go. Um, let's turn our focus to the cards now. And Jake, you have a card of the day for us. So card of the day, we always do this segment here on Tag Team uh, where... We just choose a card. It can be any card, a card that's old, a card that's new, a card that's good, a card that's bad, but just some card that has a relation to you. So Jake, take it away. What's your card of the day for us? So for anyone who doesn't know me, I am obsessed with full art supporters. Um, it's the best type of Pokemon trading card game card, in my personal opinion. Just the beauty of the characters in the game is just incredible. You know, it's it's not like the sun and moon, you know, GX full arts that were just that mm. bland, just one color. You know, <laughs> there's a lot of cards that have the pizzazz, <laughs> some sparkles, 
you know, just absolutely beautiful combinations of colors. So my card of the day is going to be my first ever full art supporter card that I got, and that is Breakpoint Skyla. Uh-huh. Um, kind of an older card in X and Y, but it, it was the, I actually have it right here. Uh, it was the first one I ever got um, back at NAIC 2019. It's the first time I ever uh-huh. saw a full art supporter. Yeah. I They've done, what, this is their third iteration now of Skyla? Yeah, I... I don't have the black and white one because that one is expensive. How, how expensive is it? Is, is it over a hundred dollars now? I it's think gotta be, it's right? at a hundred dollars. Okay, but it's it's always. I mean, black and white. I I kick myself for not buying black. One hundred and seventy eight dollars, <laughs> very expensive. But I I was I'm kicking at myself like a a year and a half ago. You know, I was gonna buy all the black and white supporters, and now like Bianca and Guy, they're all expensive. <laughs> unbelievable oh my gosh that is they're like some of the there's some of the pokemon singles from like black and white on that have really just like jumped up in price like crobat v is like probably going to be the cheapest it's ever been right now um just pokemon singles in general for like standard are just super good in my opinion but those black and white polar supporters and some of those early x and y's are just oh geez I, they, yeah, they I, I hear you. Yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy, like, the market for those cards because, yeah, they were pretty cheap or at least reasonable for a long time, and then they just shot up, like, 100, 150% in, in a few months' time. It's crazy stuff. Uh, that is a beautiful card, though. I think they, they do a really nice job, I think, with the full art supporters um, of, yeah, just bringing that new dimension to the character, right? Because you have these supporters where right the the picture if it's just the the little picture half and half text and picture like i don't know you, you get you get a much i mean i guess it's the same with the full art pokemon but you get this much more dynamic picture of who this trainer is or who this this person is in the game and and i think it you know it humanizes them a lot more and it brings a lot more personality to the uh, to the trainers there's a reason why EV Heroes has an absurd amount of, you know, those secret rare alternate arts <laughs> and stuff like that. It's just because they, they, that's what brings in the buck. You yeah. know, they're beautiful. They're they, awing. They are awing indeed. Well, that's a great card of the day. I appreciate that one, Jake. Thank you. All right. So let's turn our attention to Players Cup 4. We're just going to uh, do a quick overview on this because... There are some things that, you know, we should talk about. Uh, We just had Players' Cup 4 kind of first round, um, you know, over the last week. And there are, uh, it's in the old format, of course, because the new cards have just been released. So they weren't legal for the tournament. But what were some things that you saw here um, coming out of, what were some trends that you saw coming out of, you know, that, that regional phase, they call it the first phase. We get a cut to top 16 players in each of these brackets. So North America, Latin America, Europe, and Oceania. We had a number of notable players in North America, Josh Sutherland, nine and O in North America with the Luke metal deck. He calls it broken Luke metal. He's been playing this for most of the season season. I would say that he's probably the authority when it comes to this deck has played a ton of events done really well at most of them. We got, Alex Shemansky coming in at number three seed with an eight and one record with Mad Party of all things. Danny Altavia, again, eight and one. Those are kind of uh, three of the top four very notable players. Um, give me some, you know, kind of kind of trends that you saw, some things that you were maybe interested in uh, when you saw their their deck, um, or, or or maybe just general trends that were like, oh yeah, that makes sense, or oh my gosh, how. How do we let that happen? How do we let four Mad Party consist of, you know, <laughs> how do we let Mad Party take four spots amongst the top, 
you know, decks. Just just give me kind of your thoughts on uh, how the regional top 16 phase went. So I am most intrigued by North America and Latin America because each of them had a Mad Party and a single strike Urshifu VMAX. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, a single strike Urshifu VMAX is the only deck that I actually want to play in this format. I just, I love the acceleration through Houndoom and things like that. Um, so that intrigues me the most because you look, I mean, especially if you can get, you know, the, like either a turn one impact blow or you can set up a couple Hound Hours, like that deck is a little bit tough to stop sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, if because it can just knock out pretty much anything. Um, and especially since Pikaram is still a really good deck, Mewtwo is still running around. You know, now that we're in these VMAXs, you know, 240 on a Pikaram is not that much. Right. Um, and like 270 on a Mewtwo is not that much. So that second attack on the Urshifu VMAX is pretty good. And I think Single Strike Urshifu has like a relatively good matchup with uh, Rapid Strike, especially if you have something like a Mew on sure. the field. So. Since Rapid Strike Urshifu is a very good deck, it has several different archetypes. You know, the Chinchino build, the more like Nets build, like straight up build. Um, I think that these single strike players, you know, Marco, uh, Bertrand, and then uh, Gabe Shumway, I think, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to see them going a little bit farther in the tournament. Maybe not winning the whole thing, but going a little bit farther, as uh, a lot of people may think. Yeah, absolutely. It's very interesting how this kind of single strike Urshifu deck is is really much, uh, really a lot about the hit and miss of the format. Because I think if you're playing against you know one prizers, you're really not going to have a good time. Uh, but oh if yeah, you're if you in, hit that mad party. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just it's kind of over because you just can't quite keep up with with the uh, you know the pounding that you're going to get, right? Um, but like you said, like you brought up, you know the tag teams fall perfectly into those numbers that the single strike can hit. You know, uh, you got that second attack uh, doing 270 base and then, you know, you're, you're accelerating the energy and you're getting more damage. And so you can get through any kind of, um, you know, damage modification that your opponent puts on. You know, if they're putting, um, you know, big charm or something on, you know, you're, you're blowing right through that with a couple of energy. So uh, single strike, certainly very interesting. I was very intrigued by the by the mad party, man. Like who would have thought I, if, if you're telling me four people chose to play mad party and uh you know our four people got into the top 16 uh total i guess top 64 i guess we combine all the regions four players piloted mad party i that to me is absurd because one of the things that i really struggled with with mad party was just getting those consistent early games it wasn't really the late game that concerned me right because if you made it to the late game you probably had enough stuff in your discard pile to to hit for those at least two shots if not one shots on some of the tag teams but just crazy that you have these Mad Party lists that we generally thought weren't, you know, maybe the strongest um, that are making it so far. And I'm really curious to see how that pans out. I mean, you look at the players playing it too, like Alex Shemansky, you could probably give Alex 59 Dark Energies and a Guzzlord and you'd still find a way to make top 16 in North America. You know, you have these incredible players piloting as well with like Single Strike Urshifu, these like, these like decks that a lot of people would consider like mid tier, mm-hmm. you know, and and they're definitely not tier one or anything like that. But because of that high level of play, you know, and high capabilities and skills, they could take a deck pretty far, a lot farther than a lot of people think. You know, Josh Sutherland, like we mentioned, is a very good 
Luke Metal player, but there's not a lot of Luke Metal in the field in any of these top six scenes. But Josh, I mean, he's been playing it day in, day out, just about every single tournament. You know, I agree with you in that he's probably the best Luke Metal player that we've got the hi-ho, like, concho. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. And, and this result, you know, just goes to show that fact that he's... Good players playing their favorite decks will do well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's that's huge. That's huge. Josh certainly plays into that. Uh, what I generally suggest to people, especially newer players, is just if you're going to choose between a deck you think is, you know, good, but you haven't practiced with, or a deck you think is, you know, maybe okay for the meta, but you've practiced a ton with, generally speaking, you know, I'm going to tell that player to go with the deck that they've practiced, you know, and that they know inside and out because you have your strategies all kind of lined out. You have, you know, you, you know exactly what to do in every situation. And certainly Josh, you know, played on his experience, played on other people's inexperience in that matchup to go very far. And so I'm, I'm very excited to see where he finishes. Um, yeah, we should be getting here another phase over the weekend. Are there any thoughts that you have on what kind of might rise to the top? Even let's just take North America. If you had to take this field, uh, with these decks, who would you pick in terms of making uh, a top four? I'm going to take on single strike. I mean, it's kind of a long shot. I know I just, kind of exposed that I am a single strike <laughs> fanboy, but I mean, like, again, looking at the field, you know, there's several Pika ROMs, there's, you know, some Mewtwo's, there's Rapid Strike, Urshifu's in a lot of places, Eternatus, like a lot of decks that single strike can beat, you know, Lucario Melmetal is another good example. Um, the uh, 270 uh, G-Max One Blow, I think it's called, mm -hmm. that hits through all of Luke Metal's like abilities, full metal wall and stuff like that. It hits through all that. So I think it's actually a decent matchup again as well. But <laughs> the thing is, if they hit Alex Mansky playing Mad Party or even like Victini kind of gives a little bit of a problem because Victini Max Victory can one shot your Urshifu Vs, you know, I, I think that might stop Gabe, at least in North America, to making that top four or that big final uh big final moment bracket sure. that they'll cast and show on uh pokemon site but i i wouldn't be surprised to see it in in those top spots to be honest yeah that's awesome that's awesome well players cup four we will be eagerly awaiting uh kind of results from that and, and as we get closer to you know having a global finals of course it it pairs down to the last four in each region and then those four create a group of 16 that all play off for for the $5,000 grand prize. Uh, let's move away from Players Cup 4 now and go into Chilling Rain. So Chilling Rain, of course, that new set that has everyone talking. We are so excited about Chilling Rain here on the cast. Chilling Rain has brought a ton of just new ideas, fresh ideas, uh, a lot of uh, new archetypes, but also a lot of updates to old archetypes, which has been really refreshing. I think we missed something there with, certainly with Vivid Voltage, I think, a lot of people would agree that was kind of a down set for the trading card game. And then battle styles was a step in the right direction. You know, we got rapid strike, single striker, Shifu lists, um, but not a ton uh, else. But now in chilling rain, I think it's kind of 
busted the door wide open. We're seeing things like Weavile GX with the Moltres being put into Eternatus builds and just doing very well. We're seeing uh, just updates to kind of these old decks. We're seeing the new Calyrexes just kind of tearing it up. Um, what are some decks that you're really enjoying right now uh, in, or at least if you're not playing them, that you're enjoying watching, Jake? I've been really enjoying Calyrex uh v max the shadow one well i've been enjoying both of them um i really like the water uh, the ice one the ice, yeah, rider, ice rider shadow yeah. rider shadow rider is really interesting because of the different ways that you can build it sure. you know you could you could do it like the trevenant dusk style you could do it by itself you know it just a shadow calyrex rider attacker or you, like how andrew was doing it before the set released you could yep. do it without crummy v max like there's a couple different ways to kind of style how you want to play in yep. that and i i find that to be super intriguing and also how it's revitalized eternatus a little bit you know especially now if you look at the chill series right now that's going at the time of this recording you know the top four spots in uh round nine are three out of the four are eternatus players so that's like that's super incredible because of the number of people that like playing the shadow calyrex rider and just like with Chilling Rain and in general, bringing a bunch of different decks, you know, a new pairing with that Inteleon to the Rapid Strike Urshifu. You've got Bliss EV. I know people have been hyping that deck as of late, like Celios <laughs> and Azul and things like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, just having a ton of fun. The Blazekins there, or, you know, Pedro's been trying that a lot lately. And there's been some peaks here and there about stuff like that. And yeah, um, it's, it's pretty, uh, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. I, it's been a ton of fun. Yeah. So if you go, Jake, to like an in-person league or tournament, because, I mean, that's on the horizon for us. We're seeing it in Magic where they're coming back to organized play, and I think Pokemon might be next. But what would you bring? What would be the archetype that you would take that you, you know, spend the money on, drop the money on to go to a tournament with? I think I would honestly buy Malamar VMAX right now. Oh so, my gosh. I think Vinny Fernandez, I think it was that I saw, um, has been playing a little bit of Malamar VMAX and did really well with it the other day. And with Malamar VMAX, you know, that's a card that, like, you said it yourself, like, oh my <laughs> gosh, like, people, people kind of forgot about Malamar VMAX. I can't even recall, like, what set it came out in. Yeah. Um, so you could probably get these cards real cheap. Yeah. Right. With me balling on a budget, I need cheap decks. You know, I could usually only have like one or maybe two <laughs> IRL decks if I borrow some cards for my buddy. I hear you, so, bro. <laughs> and I think you could have a lot of fun with Malamar VMAX or even like the new Rapid Strike Malamar. If you if you if you like the squid from the the back in like 2018 and 2019, you love the sure. squid. You want to keep playing the squid. Boom. There it is right there. There's two decks that you could love right there. And honestly, like you can win games with them. You, you can. can win games. You might you might not top like a regional or, you know, like a, a hundred person league cup or whatever, but like at local league, five dollar yeah, buy-in. You can run the table with something like that. I mean, you think about Malamar VMAX as being like, you know, you get to look at your opponent's hand and take one card out. Like that's very powerful. And now, you know, kind of one of the main things that was holding it back that maybe makes it um, okay in the expanded format um, was just like energy acceleration. And now we have that. We have that. Like yeah. Valerian Moltres is huge for the deck because you in in two turns you can get four energy on the board right you attach you get a moltres you attach you get a moltres and now all of a sudden you're telling me on turn two you could have that attack going 
you know, maybe drop a path to the peak. Who knows? Get rid of your mm-hmm. opponent's only draw supporter. Like that's pretty insane. So yeah, I, I feel you when I when I hear that you're saying Malamar Vmax. I mean, the one thing that was really holding it back was just a lack of acceleration. Now yeah, we I maybe mean, have again that. and expanded. Like it's got dark patch. You know, yeah. it, it was a some it was a somewhat relevant deck and expanded because like dark patch. You yep. know that energy acceleration max elixir. Yep. That's what it's called, right? The max elixir. You look yeah, at max the top elixir. Six yeah, cards yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. You got I don't, it. I'm not as good at expanded as you are, JW, <laughs> winning those expanded regionals. But um, I, I like a, I think expanded's a wild ride. But um, yeah, now that Galarian Moltres is here, as you said, like Malamar Vmax is better. It's it's playable. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And then you got Path to the Peak, which is an incredible card. It's insane. Yes. yes, it is quite good. Quite good. I'm well, intrigued when rotation happens and chaotic swells gone. You yeah. know, path to the peaks. Uh, I know like relevance. I, a lot of decks. of course, of course. One thing that I'm a big fan of um, is kind of a, a meme deck. So, last kind of chilling rain question is like, what is your favorite meme deck that's come out of the set? Oh, my favorite me. I don't know. Can I consider Blissey be a meme deck? Is that is that okay? Well, it, I I think it hasn't won anything yet. Or as far as I know, it hasn't placed like top four yet in either the two tournaments. I could be wrong on that one. Somebody fact check me. Oh, we got the guy it, in the back. It hasn't won. It hasn't won a tournament, but like it's it's doing all right right now and chill. It's like uh, it's fifteenth within uh, nine rounds. But like, I just find that deck to be a lot of fun. Yeah. I was I watched Celios's video. I was watching Azul play it today for a little bit. Uh, it just it it looks like fun. I like the fun decks. It's and it's a great one for newer players. I feel like too. Mm-hmm. You know where it's it's not. You know it takes a little bit of time to ramp up depending on if you're playing it kind of the solo variation or if you're playing it with with Porygon. Then of course you can get up these you know just massive numbers real quick. But certainly one of those things that I would feel very comfortable introducing somebody to the Pokemon trading card game through the vehicle of Bliss EV. I find it to be just a great card for that. You know, just very simple. Makes sense. You do more damage, the more energy you got. You accelerate to yourself. That's cool. Yeah, it, it's... I, whew, I I think it's a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Jake, for this time. This was, this was great. I, I felt like I got to know a little bit more about you uh, personally as a content creator, and uh you know we got to we got to chat a little bit about pokemon cards which is always nice um anything you want to plug before you know we we let the fat lady sing um so i would say this is kind of weird but i'm gonna plug my podcast i i you know about this podcast i do the metapod podcast with gyro sean it's a pokemon trading card game podcast as well but it I would say that we style it a little bit more towards like news, um, you know, so when things get announced, things mm-hmm. get released in Japan, you know, whether that's products or trends that we're seeing, you know, Sean and I talk, we still talk about the meta a little bit, um, but we like to, we like, we're both collectors ourselves, you know, collecting specific things. So we like to talk about that as well. And we know that a, a lot of our audience has geared towards that. So you can find us there every Tuesday release and that could be your tuesday podcast and uh um also i stream on atrocious gameplay if you just like having a good cozy time with coffee you know we we love to have you we'd love to hang out with you say hi to you ask you how your day is and have a good time yeah that's great every what is that every morning 
or every so weekday I do, morning? I do Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday in the morning from okay. 9 a.m. Eastern time to 1. Okay. Um, I use Wednesdays like today as like my work day, you know, like <laughs> yeah. having... But we do have like we do I guess I still do some sort of content on Wednesday because we do anime nights yeah. in Discord. So yeah. we'll through like another site we'll get together and we'll watch like right now we're watching The Promised Neverland, if anybody's ever okay. seen that. Um and so even though we're not doing that tonight, because we usually do it on Wednesdays, but I wanted to when JW asked me to be a part of the pod, <laughs> I wanted to be on it. Aww. We're gonna have it tomorrow <laughs> night. Cool, cool. Well, that's great. Yeah, again, great community over there. Go check them out. We appreciate you being on the cast, Jake. Thank you again so much for clearing up your schedule for me tonight. That's going to do it for the cast, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you would like, if you've enjoyed the cast uh, so far, please make sure to leave a rate and review on your favorite podcasting platform. Helps us out a lot, and it provides us that feedback. You know, if you don't like the cast, leave us a review because then, hey, maybe we can do something a little bit better for the next time. So without further ado, I'm JW. This has been uh, an interview, a great interview with atrocious gameplay. Jake, thank you so much for joining us and we'll catch you on the next cast. See ya. Thank you.